Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, this is what Jesus says. He says, you are a light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light into the entire house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Aaron Chambers, in his book, Eats with Sinners, tells the story of a man named Yukio Shige. Uh, Yukio Shige sees lost people. Uh, Yukio sees lost people at a place called the Toshinbo Cliffs in Japan almost every day. And, and he says that he knows that they're lost people because they don't look like other tourists who are there to see the view. He says that, that he knows that they're lost and, and that they're trapped in darkness because they're, they're not looking at the view like others. They don't carry a camera or souvenir gifts or they don't look like they're from out of town. They don't have anything. They just hang their hands their heads, and they, they stare at the ground. And when Yukio sees them, he approaches them. And he, he has a smile and, and a simple hello. And, and if, if the opportunity arises, he may even put his hand on their shoulder. And he asks them how they came to the cliffs and, and what they're there for. And, and when he does this, Yukio says the person almost always breaks into tears. See, see, these people who come to the Tojimbo Cliffs in Japan with no camera, with no souvenirs, with nothing on them, have not come to see the view. They've come to end their life. See, this place in Japan called the Tojimbo Cliffs is infamous as one of the most uh, well-known places for suicide in all of the world. And Yukio is a retired detective. And he knows this, and so two or three times a day, he goes to the Tajimbo Cliffs, he patrols them, and he prevents lost souls from taking their lives. And if he can talk them off of the cliffs, he invites them back to his office, he'll even eat a meal with them, and, and, and these meals are working. To this day, Yukio Shige has saved and prevented over 200 people from ending their life. Some would say that Yukio is light in the darkness to over 200 people. I would suggest this morning that Yukio to 200 people is the church. Uh, this morning, we're going to wrap up our church-defined series that we've been in for the last five weeks, and we're going to look at this idea that the church is a light to the world. In John chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and whoever, whoever follows me, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In Acts chapter 13, verse 47 says this, The Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. In Philippians 2, verses 14 through 16, Paul says that we're to do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that we may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Jesus I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. And I thought the best way to illustrate this idea of the church being a light was to have someone come and just share their testimony of how the church has been a light to them as they've journeyed towards Jesus and with Jesus. And so I want you to give your attention. I've invited Tatum Pitkin 
to come on up to the front. And Tatum's going to share with you this morning her testimony of how Jesus has changed her life. And so I'm going to turn it over to Tatum. Hi, everyone. Um, so I'm sure like a lot of you in here, um, I was raised in a church-going family. We went every single Sunday. I appeared to be kind of churchy on the outside. Like, I hardly ever missed church. I hardly ever missed Wednesday night church. But the thing was, I didn't really like going. Um, on the inside, I wasn't really churchy at all. I was trying to fit into the world around me by finding satisfaction in worldly things rather than finding joy in Jesus. I was finding fulfillment in relationships. Sorry, I wasn't finding fulfillment in relationships or achievements in school or athletics like I thought I would. I was not following after the Lord. I was good at comparing my sins with my friends' sins to make me feel better about mine. I thought that by doing more good things than bad things, then I'd be good with God. I didn't know what having a savior meant or what that looked like, and I didn't even know what salvation meant. Although I was churchy on the outside, I wasn't living like it on the inside. When I was in college here at Wayne State, it took a couple of years, but I, I met a few friends that were Christians. At the time, I didn't even know what the term Christian meant, but these girls, they poured into me, they were so good to me, and they just lived their lives that honored the Lord. And they were just different from the rest of the people that I had met. One of those friends introduced me to my now husband, who was coming to Journey at the time. When we were first dating, um, I went to a different church while he came here. Then after a bit, we thought it would be important to go to the same church. He came to church with me, and I would go with him. We did that for a little while until I finally realized that this church was home for me. Um, since coming to Journey, I have seen growth in my life of understanding the gospel, understanding what it looks like to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I've seen that growth by watching the people of Journey do that. I've seen Jesus' hands and feet through meal trains after having a baby, through comforting cards in the mail after a really difficult loss. I've seen Jesus. I've seen Jesus and people here, people like Bob and Karen Jones, who swallow you up in gigantic hugs. People like Buffany DeBoer, who's your biggest fan. and people like Megan Ralston, who makes you feel like the only person in the room. I've also seen Jesus and college students here who spend their Sunday nights gathering together <clears throat> and sending out meals to people in need. Just recently, I've seen Jesus in the MOPS group that I started going to. This group of women who are just genuinely praying for others, who are truly happy that you're there, and who are some of the most encouraging people I've ever met. This church has encouraged me to share my faith with others, not just to keep it to myself. This church has also sparked my interest in listening to worship music on the radio. This is where God started speaking to me. If you're familiar with the song, Oh Come to the Altar, it's one of those that just really spoke to me. You know when new, new music comes out on the radio and it just keeps playing like 50 times in a row? Well, that was one of those songs for a while, but for some reason I never got sick of it. The part where it goes, come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. That part kept sinking deeper and deeper into my soul, finally to the point 
where God was telling me to take that next step to be baptized. This happened after a few years of coming to Journey. I found out, though, that life doesn't magically get easier just because you get baptized and surrender your life to Jesus. I still go through many seasons of droughts when I feel empty and far from God. Seasons where I don't open my Bible in weeks. Seasons where I don't feel adequate. Seasons after losing a parent. Right? Where I ask God why. Seasons where I feel like I'm failing as a mother and as a wife. Seasons where I don't feel like I'm a good Christian. But I also experience seasons where I feel God's presence and where praying comes so easy and times where my marriage is better because I've been pursuing God more. Those sweet seasons are far better than any bad one combined because I know that God is for me. I know that God is good. I'm able to make it through those tough seasons because of the hope I have in Jesus. Without my faith in Christ, I don't know if I would have had God conversation, God-centered conversations with my dad before he died last year. I wouldn't have asked him about his belief in Jesus and if he believed that Christ died for his sins. Journey, without you being a light for me, I might never have known if my dad was on the path to heaven. Like I said earlier, this church encourages me to share my faith with others. And that's exactly what I did with him. Now I can tell you that I'm a work in progress, but this church and the people in this church and the Jesus that we worship makes me want to be better. This place is one of the top reasons why I love this town and why I don't ever want to leave. People of Journey Christian Church, thanks for being a light in my life. I've really got to stop putting those in the middle of the sermon. Uh, man, Journey, that's our reason for existing. That's why the church exists. To be a light. The church is God's plan A to bring the light of Jesus to a world that's trapped in darkness. If you're here this morning and you're surrendered to Jesus, if he is in charge of your life, then we are called to never hide the light to the world. Scripture tells us the first thing the world should know about the church is Jesus. And with this being the last message in our series this morning, what I want to do this morning is I'm going to take just a few short minutes and I want to ask three hard questions. I want to ask us three hard questions that I'm wrestling with in my own life and I want you to wrestle with in your life, and I want us to wrestle together with as a church in regards to being a light to the world. And the first question is this, is what are we most known for? What are we, the church, most known for? Donald Whitney, in his book, Spiritual Disciplines, tells the story of a man who gave his life to Jesus at kind of a revival thing at, his, at a church that he attended, and 
He gave his life to Jesus, came to work the next day, and was excited to tell his boss about this change in his life. And so he went into his boss's office and he said, I gave my life to Jesus this morning and I'm just so excited I wanted to share with you. And his boss says, that's incredible because I've been actually praying for you for 10 years. I'm a Christian too and I'm so excited. And at this, the man who had given his life to Jesus became kind of crestfallen and he looked at his boss and he said, why didn't you ever tell me you were a Christian? He said, in fact, you're the primary reason I've never given my life to Jesus until now. And his boss was perplexed, and he said, how can that be? I've, I've been living a Christian life around you these last 10 years. I've been praying for you every day, and I've been living a life that would make you want to emulate it. And the, the employee who had given his life to Jesus said this. He said, that's the point. You live such a moral life without ever telling me that it was Jesus who made the difference, I convinced myself that if, I could, if you could do that, then so could I, and I didn't need Jesus to help me. So church, I want us to wrestle with a hard question this morning. As I reflect on that, I, I worry that at times the church is, is more known for living a moral life instead of being known for the one who gives life to those that are dying. I wonder, are you and I more known for what we don't do or for what we do than the one who died so we could live? Is what we proclaim more often how somebody should live instead of a Savior who calls people out of darkness into light? Jesus says nobody would ever buy a lamp, put it in your house, and throw a blanket over it and cover it up. That, that would be ridiculous. Lamps are built to give light to the room. It's not what lamps were made for to be covered up. Well, the same is true for the church. Being a light, if, if you've given your life to Jesus, we were never meant to be hidden. We were never meant to not share who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Being a light should be most about how much in love with Jesus we are. It should be about the hope that we have in Jesus, the salvation that we have found in Jesus. It's supposed to be about Jesus. Being a light is not about what we think is right or wrong morally. It's, being, it's about who has given us life. And if you and I, if what we're most known for is what we do and not what Jesus has done then we've missed the point. And I hope we wrestle with that this year. I hope you will, with me, wrestle with this idea of what am I most known for. And, and kind of to piggyback on that, let me ask a second question this morning. What's really most important to us? That's, that's the reality. What we're known for is probably what we value the most. You know, it's never changed over the years. You know, the old adage, show me your checkbook, if you have one of those. Show me your budget and show me your calendar, and, and I'll tell you what matters to you. That's, that's still true. T tell me what you think about all the time, and I'll tell you what you love. T tell me what you talk about, and I'll tell you what you love. Tell me what excites you, and I'll tell you what you love. And the answer is supposed to be Jesus, right? That's, that's the Sunday school answer, right? It's like the Sunday school teacher who, who asked her class, they said they were doing a, a study on creation, and she said, I want to, somebody tell me, 
Uh, it's brown, furry, has a tail, and likes to eat nuts. And a little kid raised his hand. He goes, well, it sounds like a squirrel, but I'm going to go with Jesus. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of times I look at my life and my calendar and my conversations and my social media, and it doesn't look a lot like Jesus, but, but I'm still going to say Jesus. What really matters to us? I think that's a question you and I have to wrestle with this morning. Because the reality is, what we talk about the most, what we go to the most, what we spend our resources on the most, what shows up on our social media the most, that's really what's most important. Whether we want to admit it or not. Uh, there's a guy that I, I follow a lot, and, and uh, we use his his stuff a lot in CSF. His name is Will Mancini, and he's kind of a church consultant guy that uh, he's got some really good stuff, but he tells a story about when he was in college. And he said, I don't really know why I did this. No one told me to. It wasn't for anybody but me. I never shared it with anyone. But he said, shortly after I learned how to share my faith as a sophomore in college, he said, I found a floor map of my dorm floor, the, the third floor of Geary Hall at Penn State's East Campus. And he said, it wasn't a very glamorous place, my dorm room, to call home for the first two years of college, but he said, I placed my map up on the wall on one of those old built-in cork boards that every dorm room used to have. You remember those? And he said, on mine, you could find mountain biking pictures, snowboarding snapshots, and this diagram of the map of the floor of my dorm. And he said, on that map, you would find 20 rooms, three of which were highlighted in yellow. And he said, those three rooms, one of them was mine, one of them was another friend who I knew followed Jesus who went to crew with me. And another one was a guy who I knew loved Jesus. His name was Chris Urban, and he was in the corner. And he said that map was a visual tool for my gospel saturation vision of my campus. He said, I knew that I had one year to share the gospel personally with 40 students who God had placed in close proximity to me. It's what was most important to him. So, Journey, can I ask a tough question this morning in this? What's hanging on our wall? What's hanging on the wall in my office and yours? What's hanging on the wall on my Facebook or my Instagram or my Snapchat or whatever? What's hanging on the wall of my heart? What's really most important to me? Jesus said in John chapter 9, he said, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Well, we've learned in this series that Jesus says the church is the literal body of Jesus, right? We are Jesus to the world. So as long as we are in the world, we are to be the light of the world. It's supposed to be the most important thing to us. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't go to your kid's basketball game on Saturday. What it means is that when you go to your kid's game, the most important thing is that maybe you're building relationships with people far from God so that someday God might give you an opportunity to share how Jesus has changed your life. It doesn't mean that you don't go to work. <laughs> what it means is maybe you're going to work with the purpose 
that you're going to find a way to share your faith with the people you work with. It doesn't mean that you don't do all the things that maybe you're currently doing. What it means is it changes how I do them. It doesn't mean you stop going to college. What it means is you realize you're not really going to college for a degree. You're going there because Jesus has placed people around you who need someone to call them out of darkness into light. And so that, that begs the last question this morning. What will we do? What, what will you and I do? If Jesus says that we're the light of the world, what will we do? In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we've, we've referenced this verse a bazillion times since I've been preaching in this interim period. It's really the only verse I know. That's why we've done it. But uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says this. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old person you were has passed away. It's dead the new has come. And he says all of this, this new creation, all of it's from God who through Jesus Christ reconciled to himself and gave us, I love this phrase, he gave you and me, the church, the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Jesus, God was reconciling the entire world to himself, not counting their sins against them, and entrusting to us, the church, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors. Love that term. We are ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors to the world. God is making his appeal through the church. And Paul says, we implore you on behalf of Jesus, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Jesus, you and I, the church, might become the righteousness of God. We are called to be a place of reconciliation, to call people out of darkness into light. I want to do something real quick this morning. By a show of hands this morning, how many of you have pictures either on your phone or in your wallet, if you still carry one of those things, of your kids or your grandkids or your nieces or your nephews? How many of you have pictures on your phone? Yeah, all of you. That's right. So I'm going to give you permission this morning while I'm talking. I want you to pull up one of those pictures. So pull up a picture on your phone or grab your wallet or some of you, maybe you have a life-size poster of your grandkids that you throw up. My mom probably has that in her purse. Um, and so, so you could bury a body in my mom's purse. That's how large that thing is, all right? And so I want you to look at those pictures, and I want to ask you a question this morning. Do not answer this out loud. But I want you to think of all the pictures of your family that you have on your phone. Does everyone in those pictures go to church? Does every one of your kids, grandkids, brothers, sisters, parents, nieces, nephews, do they have an active faith in Jesus? And I'm willing to bet that most of us, I certainly do, we have family who do not follow Jesus. I have people in my family that, that Jesus is not in charge of their life. And so as you look at those pictures, I want to ask you a question this morning. What would you do? What would you be willing to do to have a church in the town where those people live that would reach out to that loved one of yours and provide a place for them to say yes to Jesus? 
My guess is that you would do almost anything to see that happen, right? I mean, I have family that I would do anything to know that there would be a church that would encounter them in their everyday life and would show them light that could call them out of darkness. I'd do anything. Here's the deal, Journey. I believe, actually, I don't believe. I know. <laughs> I know. I know that there are Christians in other cities this morning whose children, grandchildren, brothers, sisters, parents, grandparents, nieces, nephews have moved to this area and who right now those people are praying and they would do anything for a church here to do the same thing to reach their loved ones and call them out of darkness into light. Journey, that's supposed to be us. We're, we're supposed to be the church that shows people a Savior they've been waiting for their whole life and just didn't know it. I, I love the story in Luke chapter 2 of Simeon. Simeon was the old guy who had waited his whole life for the Messiah to come. And finally Jesus is born and they bring him to Simeon. And Simeon, Simeon holds him in his arms and he says this. He says, Lord, now... Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word because my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people. Now I can die because I have seen the light. I have seen a light that will be a revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people Israel. Church, there are people in our everyday life who have been waiting their whole life to meet the Savior. Someone that could come to them and pull them out of darkness into light. They just don't know that his name is Jesus. And sure, there's probably been plenty of people, to be honest, probably a lot of Christians, who have told them how they should live. And probably a lot of Christians who have told them what they're doing wrong, and probably a lot of Christians who have told them what they should be against and who they should vote for and what they should be afraid of and what's wrong with our country and our culture, but nobody has told them that there is hope in a man named Jesus. And I, and I, oh, I just get <laughs> in my heart that we have a world who the church has told them how they should live and has told them what's wrong and has called darkness everywhere they see it, but nobody told them that they could live. Nobody told them that there's someone who can bring light into darkness, who can literally bring them out of darkness into life. And church, it's not our job to do the first things. It's our job to tell people about Jesus. Let me rephrase that. It's not our job, it's our joy. It's our joy. Being light to the world is not a job. It's an honor. It's a joy. It's a grace. It's an undeserved gift. And maybe the reason that life sometimes seems so miserable and sometimes seems so pessimistic it's because we've been telling people how much we don't like darkness. 
when we should have been telling them about the joy of being set free into the light. In fact, in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus says when the church doesn't tell people about the light, he actually takes it away. In Revelation 2, Jesus talks to the church in Ephesus, and this church was doing many good things, but somehow they neglected and lost the most important thing, which was Jesus and the gospel. And Jesus tells the church, he says, if you don't go back to your first love, if you don't repent of what you've become, he says, and I will take your lampstand from you. I will take the thing that holds up the light of the world. I'll take your church. He says, but you have to return and do the first works that will keep the church from losing its witness. The band's going to come, and they're going to lead us again this morning. But Jesus is very clear in Revelation. Jesus says the church that loses its love will soon lose its light, no matter how doctrinally sound or morally good you are. But there's good news. <laughs> in 1 John chapter 1, John says that if you and I, if we confess our sins, then Jesus is faithful, and he will forgive us our sins, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And church, make no mistake this morning, when you and I choose to talk about darkness instead of the light, it's a sin. And maybe this morning we need to repent. I know I do. Most of you know I kind of nerd out. <laughs> My favorite book, movie of all time is The Lord of the Rings. And there's a scene at the end of the movie or at the end of the book, and it's the best thing outside of Scripture in the world, at least to me. <laughs> and, and the little hobbit, Samwise Gamgee, finds out that his friend Gandalf the wizard isn't dead. He, he thought that he had died, and Sam sees him and he finds Gandalf alive and he cries out and he says, Gandalf, I thought you were dead. Ah, but then again, I thought I was dead myself. <laughs> and then he asks this question that I think is one of the most beautiful truths. I love how Tolkien speaks of scripture. And Sam says, Gandalf, is this now when everything sad is going to become untrue? The war is over, the battle has been won, and everybody that thought they were dead is alive. And Gandalf says, yes, Sam, this is when everything sad becomes untrue. Church, that's the answer of Christianity. That's the light of Jesus in the midst of darkness this morning. Jesus is the one who makes everything sad come untrue. And when he returns, that's exactly what he's going to do. He will wipe away every tear. He will take away death and sadness and sin will be no more. And everything sad becomes untrue. And in some weird, mysterious way, it's going to be even greater because it was once so broken and lost. So church, this morning as we sing, I just invite you to come to the light, to quit living in darkness, to quit dwelling on darkness, 
and to live and proclaim the freedom of Jesus who makes everything sad untrue, who makes everything dark come to light. If you've never come to Jesus this morning, if you're living in that darkness, boy, why not today? We'd love, myself or one of the elders would love to visit with you about giving your life to Jesus and leaving darkness behind. Church, let's stand this morning. Let's sing. Let's worship.